Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Private Practice Success Stories. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon, and each week I bring you an informative and inspirational interview with a successful private practitioner. My whole goal of this podcast is to highlight the many, many different ways to be successful in private practice. This week, I want to introduce you to Melissa Wolock, an SLP in Boulder, Colorado, who has combined her passion for holistic therapy with her degree in speech-language pathology. This is a wonderful episode that I think you'll really enjoy. Before we get started, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes, my name is Melissa Hundley Wallach, and my practice is in Boulder, Colorado. Beautiful Boulder, Colorado. And the name of my practice is actually my name. So it's Melissa Wallach, MS, you know, CCC, SLP, and I do have an LLC as well. Fantastic. All right. Well, Melissa, tell us a little bit about your clinical background and what were you, what were you doing before you started to pursue private practice? So as we all as speech language pathologists have experienced, we have so many options. So in my 22 years of practicing, (laughs) I have been able to work in skilled nursing facilities. Mm -hmm. I have worked in schools. Uh, well, schools specifically created for kids with learning differences, mm-hmm. private practice, not my own. Mm-hmm. And then a majority of my time, 13 years, was spent in a neuro inpatient outpatient at a hospital here in town, which was amazing. And what's interesting is there wasn't that much of a difference or a leap when you're working on executive functions from children to adults. <laughs> Totally. As someone who has also worked a lot in brain injury, I can say that's absolutely true. It's really interesting, isn't it? Except then you don't have to deal with parents. Um, Not, I'm a parent, so I mean that in the nicest way. (laughs) 
Yes. So really I've had quite a varied amount of experience, mm -hmm. but as I said, the majority in this recent past has been more medical cognitive based. So at what point did you start thinking about private practice? Was there something that happened? Was there a series of events? Was this a planned thing, a random opportunity? How did this whole thing happen? You know, it's so interesting is that I had never thought about going into private practice, right? You know, from the very beginning, I chose to be a speech language pathologist when I was 14 in high school and loved, you know, my mom wanted us to have secure jobs. My, my sister is a elementary school teacher. So very secure, right? Um, but something kind of clicked after having my daughter in 2009. Um, I had some health issues and I really started to see more how my clients benefited from holistic care. And I started doing more trainings as far as that was concerned about really treating the whole person. Mm -hmm. Right, and really getting to know them, looking at how I could rewire the brain with mindfulness and really, you know, looking at their food and their sleep. And, you know, we get more time with our clients and patients than doctors often do. Mm -hmm. And not that I want to start prescribing meds because, oh my goodness, no, I don't. Right? <laughs> Leave that to somebody else. But it, I just started seeing how many more options we could support people, the ways we could do that. And um, especially with cancer patients, patients with cancer. Let me switch how I say that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I started implementing that a little bit and people didn't really like that. It made them feel uncomfortable. There was a lot of rocking in the boat, you know, don't do that. And the paperwork just kept getting crazier and crazier. And many people out there will know what I mean. Yes. I was literally going back to the hospital at 10 o'clock at night to get paperwork Good done. Paperwork. So I could, you know, run home, be with my family, and then come back to work. Yeah. And it started planting that seed of, is this the only way? Are there some other options? Is this the only safety net? I don't think so. Especially when it's disrupting then family time and disrupting your day. And yeah, that's, it's too much once, you know, we, we like to think that there's going to be work-life balance, right? You know, we, we thought, you know, the field of speech pathology would have really good hours and you could do all these things and there was a lot of flexibility. And I think that what we all learned is that um, maybe, but we often end up spending way too much time, you know, at work, work, working long hours, as you just mentioned, having to go back to work to finish documentation. It's, it can be terribly disruptive to a family's life. It can be. And even when I was single, I did it when I worked at the school, right? Like, oh, well, I don't have a family. So I'll be the one who comes back and finishes those things up. Right, recovering perfectionists, not to stereotype us lovely SLPs, but some of us have that issue. Um, <laughs> me for sure. Um, so, like I said, it started to plant that seed, and I just thought, you know, there are other options. Who would have thought? Mm -hmm. And so, gradually, you know, we kind of got out of the black hole of parenting early childhood. <laughs> but I kept that in my mind, and I kept doing trainings to just expand my knowledge base about holistic mind-body medicine that really supported brain health foundation. Mm -hmm. And then I got really passionate as far as prevention and being proactive. Yeah. 
you know, because what I was really seeing is clients were so stressed. They were sleep deprived. They weren't eating well and their recovery was slowing down or the recover their actual injury or diagnosis was more severe because of the life they lived beforehand. Definitely. So, um, yes, it just kept snowballing. And then after a while, and I think a few people, just a few might get this. I was then working part-time, but we would have the, you could earn extra credit, right? Like there'd be performance reviews and my performance reviews would be stellar, Mm -hmm. but they'd say, wow, way to go. You did so much extra work and so many extra projects more than the full-time people. Yeah, we can't give you any credit for that, by the way. Not a thanks for doing this, but a, yeah, we're not going to give you credit. I was like, well, actually just a couple words of appreciation would have been great, right? I realized I could actually be doing this for myself and my own business. And not, not that we're all about, you know, money, but, you know, but for it, right? That's the thing that I think finally after time, we sort of realized we're putting in all of these hours. And again, it's not just about the money. A lot of times it is just, just like you said, a simple acknowledgement goes a long way. But after time, that, that starts to wear on people. And when you figure out that there are other options that your, your time can be more valued, both just in terms of you know, general value, but also monetary value, it does start to shift your thinking a little bit about, is there something else that I could be doing with my time? Really, you know, I mean, you go, well, hmm, for my own business, working at 10 o'clock at night, okay, then I would be the bad boss making me do that, but that's my choice. (laughs) You know, I I can do that in my comfy pants with my laptop from home, or, you know, I, I can make that happen. But so that was one of those tipping points that I remember a manager was talking to me in the hallway. And instead of saying, good job, it was that, "Mm, that's too bad. I'm not sure how you made all that happen. Right. And so, and I tried to get them to pay for some of my trainings, which eventually the hospital did come that more holistic treatment route, especially with, I also worked part-time with the the cancer center, I would partner with them. And they have shifted, but at that time they said, just no, we're not going to support you in doing that. And I said, okay, I'm going to start making plans. And so I started seeing people, you know, and I let them know, but I started seeing people at my kitchen table, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like I made sure I had the right insurance and I, just saw a couple at my kitchen table and started to, to build yeah. with the hospital knowing, you know, full disclosure. I never hid that because I would not want to do that with anyone. I wanted to be upfront and honest, but that, you know, that was a way for me to dip my toe into the private practice pool. Yeah. And so where, where are you now? Tell us a little bit about where your private practice or, you know, how, what your private practice is like these days. Yes. So, and although some people might think two years sounds like a long time, I still totally feel like a beginner certain days, right? Because we didn't go to business school. That's not where our education lies. And, you know, I ended up leaving, I gave a ridiculous amount of notice. Of course, because I didn't want to leave, especially as a nice person. And yeah, uh uh-huh. You don't want to leave about your patients. You don't want to leave anybody in the lurch. Yeah. 
totally. So I left in 2016, so it's been two years, and I feel like I'm getting a good handle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, I am very fortunate. I primarily have a self-pay private practice. Mm-hmm. I have an office that I share with an office mate who's a psychologist in downtown Boulder. It's great. And I still work part-time as far as seeing clients. You know, I'm, I'm still my office manager and everything else at this point. <laughs> but I love it. It's been great. The learning curve was a little steep at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you hit something and it feels right, it starts to flow. And I did learn the value, and I can't emphasize this enough for people who are listening and thinking about starting a private practice or who are. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do all this marketing stuff, right? Put all these marketing ideas out there, social media. And truly, what I found is that the personal connections with people have been the greatest source of clients, support, and consistent income. For sure. Because right now, I mean, especially we live in this, this culture right now where we, we really place a lot of worth on what other people think of things, right? This is one of the ways that Amazon, Yelp, all of these businesses where reviews are a big part of it have just skyrocketed, right? So the offline version of that is still word of mouth marketing. And so when, when someone has a good experience with you and they tell more people and that, that really snowballs, I mean, that there's such value in, I had a good experience with Melissa, you should call her, right? Versus like, I'm going to go to a Google search. Oh, this person's website looks good. You know, I'll pick them. I'm definitely going to call someone. If I know that someone I know had a good experience with them, they're just going to be the, I'm not, maybe really not going to call anybody else. Exactly. And that word of mouth by client, but also finding a, a couple of key providers and practitioners. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a person who does treat more neurological challenges and diagnoses like us, mm-hmm. you know, it may be a neuropsych, it might be a rehab physiatrist, right? But even just having a couple of those yeah. really just increases this consistency. And I, I feel so fortunate that that has happened. You know, I have a few, like three main referral sources and really that's enough to keep me as busy as I truly want to be at this point. Um, well, and that's I, important too, to, to say as busy as I want to be at this point, because, because, you know, you don't, there's no rules in this, the whole, this is your private practice, right? You can set your hours, you can do what you want. Um, I think that's fantastic to really think about. I want to keep this. I've got my three, three, solid referral sources. They send me, you know, kind of X number of clients and I'm not looking to grow into this crazy thing. I'm happy how it is now, but you just want to maintain that. Right. And the option is there to grow. Certainly, you know, you can network a little bit more. You can see there's so much that we can do as far as options and truly once again, like the postcard or the business cards, not we don't have to have the snazzy moo ones. You can just have the inexpensive Vistaprint ones, right? They work just fine. 
But when people meet you, being comfortable to say in a quick, you know, we don't lose people, but you're just saying what we do concisely in a powerful way in 20 seconds, people remember that. Because I'll have people go, hey, this has happened to my mom, or hey, this happened to my brother, or what do you think? Would you talk to them? Could you, you know, could you actually see them via Zoom? Mm -hmm. And so I have dabbled in that a little bit, and I questioned, would that be as effective? Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's been great. Yeah. So and, it, and for different populations, if you're working too with people with brain injuries who then might also have mobility issues or may get, you know, overstimulated or have, you know, different reasons why it would be difficult for them, you know, maybe they don't drive, maybe they don't have a consistent person to bring them places. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that using telepractice, as long as people can understand how to use the equipment is a fantastic thing to be doing with that population. Yes, you know, because sometimes you'll see people consistently, but here in Colorado, it snows. And if you have a client who is in a car accident, them getting in a car on icy roads is going to send them into a trauma response, right? It's not okay. And I thought, well, I can, we can bypass that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, let's do this. And they, it means so much to them you know, that we can have these different options and it just broadens our scope even more, which is exciting. Yes. But so at this point, you know, I fill three days and I'm able to take care of our rescue dog that when I did start my private practice, we finally got the dog we wanted, right? Like, okay, now I can take the dog for a walk. I'm not getting up, getting everybody ready and rushing to a job. I get to pick a schedule that really fits for our lifestyle. And that's so nice too. Absolutely. So where, where do you see this going? What is the next, you know, six to 12 months gonna be like for you and for your family related to your private practice? So I have also started to, I will probably, well, let me back up. Okay. <laughs> as far as the future, mm -hmm. I'll continue, you know, now we're going into summer. So I'll continue. I actually scale back a little bit in the summer so I can be with my family a little bit more. And it works out great. And then I also increase some of my Zoom appointments mm -hmm. because that works wonderfully for people who are traveling. You know, they're like, wait, no, I still, I want to maximize my progress. I don't want to go three weeks without seeing you. So that's really nice. Yeah. I have also, I've started to do workshops mm -hmm. and community talks for people mm -hmm. looking at how to make the most out of your memory, how to fuel your brain, how to support yourself with brain health foundations um, even incorporating mindfulness and actually just did a two day workshop recently, focusing more on really combining because I have a passion for mind, body medicine and mindfulness, but really putting that with all that we know as speech language pathologists, as far as how we communicate with others and ourselves, how we pay attention, the whole myth of multitasking. Right. I mean, <laughs> I remember that bubble being burst for myself yep. personally. So bummed. Um, yep. 
right? They fight it all the time and not well. <laughs> People don't like the message either. They yeah. really like the illusion that you can multitask. So providing more education in different ways to fit with the community. I've done classes at the senior center. So doing more of that because I think it's so great to do that outreach. Yeah. And it's been, it's just pretty amazing to see what you can create and put out there. Yeah. So I've actually even spoken to engineering groups mm -hmm. and other groups, you know, business groups about efficiency and productivity and how the brain works so people can really get more done and not feel so stressed. I, you know, I love your approach. I think this is fan. I think this is fantastic. And I think this is what a lot of people are looking for when, especially people who've had, you know, various neurotraumas, cancer, you know, whatever, they're really looking for someone to not just, I mean, yes, to help, you know, the, you know, cognitive yes. issues and whatnot, but to truly understand all of these things, because that work in particular is so multifaceted that you need, and there's often not someone to listen to, to them, right? So they, they need somebody who can take all of these things that are happening in their life and try to make sense of them. And yes, use you know, compensatory strategies from a cognitive point of view, but as you know, you mentioned prevention and a couple other things, I think that's also really, really important. It is. And you know, I mean, I'm sure other people have too, especially after a brain injury, you know, someone will come in and they may not be eating or showering, you know, their executive functions, that frontal lobe, it's just shot. Yeah. And so it really is helping them rewire and build in those basics again. And I am, I do have a soft spot for um, people in the workers' comp world. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes, oftentimes they're teachers or they're caregivers or, you know, you've got CNAs and you've got, <laughs> such kind nurses, yeah. you know, who've been injured on the job mm -hmm. and they're such givers themselves. Yeah. So it's so wonderful. I do actually take workers comp insurance. So I'm private pay for everyone else, but that one I will do, mm -hmm. which is some paperwork, but they're such lovely people mm -hmm. and they really appreciate that functional approach because they don't always have a lot of practitioners spending time with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, boundary setting is always nice as far as time. I really have to be very vigilant about time. I'd hang out with everybody for ages. Oh, nice. It's like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's like, and you get 50 minutes. Hold on. Let me set a right. timer. Right. <laughs> Which is hard to do, but you're also then teaching them a skill of related to time management too, right? So it's not, it's not all like, you know, you're going to hit the button and then they, the seat like either falls into the floor or like boom, like kicks them out or whatever. Right. The ejection. Think about it as from, you know, it's also like a time management skill that you're teaching them, right? <laughs> right. It's like, okay, we have five minutes left. Is there anything? No, don't tell me a new story and right. start to cry. We can't, right. let's not do that because <laughs> the door is actually open. Opening. Ah! <laughs> right, <laughs> We've right. all been there when you're standing. hand on the door phenomenon, right? Yeah. Right. And the client then just drops one of those emotional yeah. bombs and you go, oh, how am I supposed to have you leave right now? Yeah. Let's see how yeah. we can close this back up. 
Um, and I have been lucky to meet other practitioners that I've been able to team with still because I was part of a neurotrauma team that was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And being able still to team with them some. And then because I'm so used to teaming, these workers, comp doctors love me because I communicate more than anyone. Shocker, speech language pathologists communicating. <laughs> And, you know, we just automatically end up sort of corralling everybody, you know, in a way of, oh, and the OT says this, and hey, I've talked to the psychologist, and here's a- We are good on a team, aren't we? (laughs) We are. You know, we have a tendency to be connectors, and we like it all to, all the pieces to to fit. Not, well, I hate to speak for all speech pathologists, but I think many SLPs do, do enjoy that. Yes. To see that and, and to really support all of our clients, no matter what age they are and maximizing their progress and recovery. I love it. So is there any other parting words or wisdom or things that you'd like to share with the listeners that have, have helped you or a cautionary tale or anything like that that you want to leave people with? You know, I do think in private practice, it can be that boundary setting again, not only with time, but with clients, sometimes they can get a little too comfortable because it's, and I'm going to do the quote fingers only you. Right. And so making sure that we keep that professional boundary, I think is very important because people do when you're in a hospital or a school, that structure provides that boundary. But when you're in this lovely office, and I have seen many pictures of people's offices on the Facebook group, but mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> they feel comfortable and they become like, oh, this is a second home or this is, yes, you make me work and you make me think, but this is safe. And they don't want to leave. Right. So making sure that boundary still stays there and remembering that it is tempting to spend money on a big elaborate marketing plans, but really it isn't needed. You know, setting up tea or I've even gone on a networking hike with a provider, right? Right. (laughs) Because Boulder, Colorado, you people do things like that. We do. You know, I loved it. I was like, oh, do you want to go to tea or lunch or for a walk? And she said, how about a hike? Right? Why not? Why not? I love that idea. You know, got to meet the, the acupuncturist dog. And, and she was a, you know, a survivor of TBI and focuses on neuro. And it was a great way for us to meet each other. And so there are all these different options and thinking out of the box, you know, that personal connection though is always going to lend itself to a client referral more so than just a random flyer, I think, or, you know, or you do get a referral and making sure that you contact that physician personally, like whether it's email, whether it's a phone call, they so appreciate that personal follow-up and they remember you more. Definitely. Yeah. That's very important. And earlier we were talking about you know, the business cards and, you know, move versus Vista print versus, you know, all these things. And I had this, I I had this uh, realization when you said that, which is that who cares about the card, right? It's the person holding the card. 
And if the person holding the card, you know, if you don't have a good conversation, where does that card go? In the trash, in the recycling. People only hold on to business cards to people who really left an impression in person. Not like was the card, was there foil, gold leaf, uh, fun edges, horizontal versus vertical, whatever. Right, the cool square. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's all about the person who was holding the card because no one's going to keep something that they do, there wasn't a good impression for. So you're absolutely right to be thinking about relationships and prioritizing marketing in terms of relationships. Now, the one caveat I'll say to that is, I do think that people need to have a website because when you hear about somebody via word of mouth, you know, sometimes they'll just say, okay, well, what's her number? I'll call her. But more than often they'll say, okay, well, let me Google her. Right. Yes. So you should have a backup website just so that when word of mouth happens, you then have like the backup thing in place to be found in Google. Then, you know, people then, you know, get your phone number, get your email address, make sure you're legit, see where you are on the map, et cetera. But yeah, I'm, I am completely with you in terms of putting in the time to build relationships that will result in, you know, steady streams of referrals, you know, potentially for years to come. Right. And when we really look, one other thing that I've found when you meet with those personal, you know, these people personally, is to create, you know, one of my business cards is actually a postcard that can then be given to people. And I created this acronym and it says breathe, but then it has like a tip for each one of those letters. And people love it because then they can give it to the, their clients or their patients and it has a tip on there. Or I created a one pager, not giving away all my tips and magical strategies, right? But a one pager that then they could hand to clients. It made their lives easier as far as, you know, whether it's noise sensitivity or following one step directions or asking simple, you know, yes, no questions or whatever it is, like simplifying communication. But then they had a little folder that I gave them of those handouts that made things better for them. Definitely. And, you know, and then they love you even more. <laughs> well, because they want, they want their patients to be in good hands, right? So if you're showing at the offset that you're knowledgeable and that you care about people who you don't even know, imagine how much you're gonna care about people you do know, right? It really makes a difference. And so, and as you said, I at first did have the whole medical website. Now mine, like if people hear this and they went to my website, they go, well, where's the speech language pathology part? Um, mine shifted to look a little more coaching because I was so fortunate. I found that people were going there. Like they were just going to confirm that I was real. And then they were calling me and setting up a free consultation chat. Right. So that was really more powerful. So they were like, I don't really care what your website says. It confirmed you're a real person. And then I could schedule a free consult with your online calendar. And what really turned to the point for me to decide to work with you was the phone call. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. You know, you have given such fantastic advice tonight. I love that. I love your holistic approach. 
and really thinking about the needs of your clients as well as your own personal interests and then figuring out how to get referrals based on relationships and I and also the other thing that's really important that I think that you talked about was like your schedule and sticking to a schedule that works for you and for your family and I just think that this interview was full of really valuable information about how you can be a private practitioner that excites you and that uses your own your personality and your interests and your skills to really help people but on your own terms we're really lucky that we can create these things yeah. you know whatever age group it is that you treat whatever the diagnoses whatever the challenges it's it's pretty fabulous right as you can tell i get really excited like oh and i think many of us really love our jobs mm -hmm. and that we can grow and expand in our own ways and get creative yeah. it's just it's it's truly a gift on that note this interview was a gift thank you oh, Melissa, for being with us you. tonight thank you what an honor to be here well you know, it, it was it was fun. I love getting to know people from all over the country. Um, you know, you're in, in Boulder, which is a town that I've only been to once, but I would love to go back. I think it's fantastic that you went on like a hike with this acupuncturist um, referral source and her dog. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> so so keep on, you know, healing the, you know, Boulder area and um, please keep in touch. And I can't wait to see or hear um, what you're doing in the future. Oh, thank you. I love seeing what everybody else is doing in this really cool group that you've created too. Yeah. So thank you. It's so good to meet you and chat. You too. All right. Have a nice night. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Private Practice Success Stories. I hope that you were impressed, inspired, and are ready to take action. Speaking of which, do you need help starting your private practice or taking it to the next level? Then join the Private Practice Solution. Inside of our exclusive members area, you'll discover fabulous time-saving resources that will help you be the successful private practitioner you've always wanted to be. There's also a vibrant community of smart clinicians working together to help more people while making more money. If you're looking for step-by-step -step resources, member discounts, and a supportive community of like-minded people, consider this your invitation to join us. So go ahead and sign up now at www.theprivatepracticesolution.com. See you in the members area. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.